This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, a pair of crystalline snowflakes that are certainly not made from evaporated dog pee, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hello? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the subtle insult. I couldn't think of anything and I didn't want to reuse last week's intro. Uh, but welcome to episode 359 of I Read Comic Books. I'm so glad that you're both here to talk to me, talk with me about comic books. Uh, before we get into things, I want to say the 2023 Goodreads Reading Challenge has started. It's live on our Goodreads. There's a link in the show notes if you haven't heard already. We're asking people to read 24 books this year. We've got like a, almost 20 fantastic picks from folks on the IRCB group, uh, Aaron, our Goodreads mod, and a bunch of people from our Patreon. Um, if you're a patron, you could join. I'm going to say this month. And if you want to put something on the list, you can, but you got to join us this month in February. So just calling that out. I do want to say also at the end of this month, we have the latest IRCB movie club that's dropping with our good friend Kev from the Austin Danger Pod is going to be joining us for that episode. And Brian, Paul, and I are going to be talking about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. The folks voted and it was it was a neck and neck with Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And just in the last minute, someone ticked it over to Spider-Man. So, you know, if we go back to animated movies again in the future, maybe we'll watch Batman. The other movie that was on that list was Akira. I was ready to watch Akira again because I'm almost done reading the series and I was going to just drop some massive knowledge on folks. But you know what? Next time. <laughs> Instead, we've all been reading Spider-Man. And I'm excited to talk about that. But let's get into things. Let's talk about the two legally mandated questions that I have. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? How are you doing, Kate? I've been okay. My kitty, as you guys know, was recently had a extended stay in the kitty hospital, which has been pretty scary and unpleasant. But she uh, rallied Friday night overnight, and instead of being there all weekend like we expected, she came home Saturday morning, which has been amazing to have her back home. But she's still very, she's like better enough to not be hospitalized, but still very sick. So fingers crossed, send all the good vibes, uh, all the eat cat food vibes, because she's really nauseous. So getting her to eat right now is mm. proving really challenging, And um, but otherwise good. Um, because of having a sick kitty that needs lots of cuddles and love and encouragement, um, she eats more if I sit there with her, which is adorable, but also like, come on, cat. <laughs> um, I have read a lot of comics. I got a stack of stack of books out and then, uh, the hoopla comics, like the, um, oh, what do we call them? The bonus borrows for February mm -hmm. are pretty solid. There's not a lot of like the audiobooks. I was like very meh. I didn't see anything I wanted on the bonus borrows. But there were a good number on the um, the comics one. So check that out, folks, if you have Hoopla from your library. Mm -hmm. But the comic that I read um, this this week that I liked the most so far is Feelings, A Story in Seasons by Manheet Thap. It's, it reads and feels like a first second OGN, if, you, if that means anything to you guys. Like Absolutely. The, the print quality yeah. and the art quality. The hand feel of everything is very nice. Like I was very surprised when I actually realized that this is actually Ransom House. But it's okay. very text light art forward where the creator is very much uh, definitely an artist. And her other work is just being an illustrator in some other books. I would say through the whole book, there's probably like two paragraphs of text for this whole OG OGN. Interesting. Um, so it's mostly art with scattered text. And it's not really a story per se, like there's not a plot really, but just the emotional rhythms of her year and how the change in seasons affects her with her like anxiety and depression. And she seems to have a like really consistent seasonal pattern. I would assume that she's describing seasonal affective disorder, but I'm not 
positive. You don't know when someone's like clinical hashtag versus. Not a yeah, hashtag not a doctor. <laughs> hashtag everything in psych is like there's a level of normal that's like the same symptoms, just milder. So who knows? One of the interesting things is so she's British, but ethnically East Asian. Mm. And a lot of East Asian cultures have more seasons. So there's six seasons in this book that it's broken up into. The se- each season's like a chapter, basically. Mm. And so there's um, high summer, late summer, monsoon season, and then, you know, autumn, winter, and spring. But um, depending on the culture, it turns out there are also other seasons, like some of them break up winter into two seasons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why we don't break up winter into two seasons. You know, I feel like if you're north of a certain part of the United States, like there should be like the just kidding, it's not going to snow. And then the fuck you, it's cold. So like, yeah. I, I really, you know, I understand that feeling. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense, especially with monsoon season being a very different season than either summer totally. or yeah. or fall. And the late summer seems to be when it gets like unbearably hot versus high summer being when it's like, oh, yay, summer, fun, outdoors versus the like, I'm dying, I'm melting, make this stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I really liked it. It's really beautiful. If you are someone who is into like books for the art of the book, highly recommend. And I definitely like I'm going to check out her Instagram and stuff. She's on a couple different social media platforms because the the strength of this book was definitely in the artwork. Yeah, it looks it looks really cool. I'm just kind of skimming through the preview uh, on Amazon, and yeah, it looks like a really just overall beautiful book. Like, yeah, I I feel like I'm gonna have to check this out for my library too. Highly recommend. Well, Brian, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, I've been good. You know, uh, West Michigan weather watch. Uh, this bitch cold. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, thank you. We were we were in single digits for most of Friday. Right. Um, finally cracked freezing last night. Those are those are our seasons in Michigan. We have cold and construction. Right. <laughs> and then mud season before spring. Right. Uh, comics wise, I had read the first issue of Gwenverse a while back, uh, but I found the the trade was on Hoopla now, so I decided to pick that up and give it another shot. This is written by Tim Seeley with lines by Jody Nishijima. Uh, and colors by Federico Blee, Juan Fernandez, and protobunkers Fer Cifuente Sujo. Uh, letters by Ariana Mayer or Mar. It it, it it did not like change my opinion on the book between reading one issue and reading you know five or whatever it was. Sure. The the basic premise is a far future pop idol wants to send her her like persona her like template for her being back in time so that she will be all of the heroes and all of the like famous people okay but because one of her flunkies failed to get a part she needed uh she decides to just go with it anyways even though it's kind of (laughs) half-assed okay Uh, and so it winds up uh colliding like crossing the streams essentially uh, with Gwen Stacy's interdimensional travel and Gwen winds up being the template that is thrown back through time. And so we have Gwen trying to go back and find uh, the different versions of herself. So there's uh, Thor Gwen, uh, Wolverine Gwen, Captain America Gwen, and she has to find them and stop them from changing the timeline so that it doesn't wind up a you know, dystopian hellscape. 
Right. Like, like it does. Is, is this, Brian, tell me this is not the case. Is this the origin of Gwenpool? No. Okay. It feels, it felt too good to be true. I feel like Gwenpool came from a different, but slightly related situation, right? I know nothing about Gwenpool. Okay. <laughs> I've been a- been actively avoiding Gwenpool, it, which you know, I know is not fair of me. Sure, but. sure. I, I will just say, I know this is not about Spider-Gwen, but the little bits of Gwenpool that I have read have actually been entertaining. Like, I am also hesitantly not into it because it feels too like, haha, this is like how meta we can be. It's worse than Deadpool somehow. Um, but it actually works. Like she was in, I, and the only exposure that I've had was when Kelly Thompson wrote her for West coast Avengers, which again, you kind of got to go into that book with like a pound of salt because like, it's a weird book, right? Like Quentin choir and, uh, uh, Kate Bishop and Gwenpool and just it's sorry a, you lost me at Quentin Quire. I know. See, it's a it's a smattering of weird characters that don't really belong together, and for some reason that book worked for me. I don't know. Maybe I was just in the right mood to read it, but I don't know. I'm hesitantly okay with Gwenpool, but by no means have I like let's buy the next Gwenpool volume. You know, yeah. Uh, for for me, it was just like I I was already like really hesitant about the name Spider Gwen. Like I yeah yeah. Like I I liked when she. So they started just calling her Ghost Spider on the title of her own book. Yeah. Um, but then Gwenpool sounded like it was just a ripoff of that. Yeah. And it, it it's not connected at all from what I understand. Gotcha. Like she's not Gwen Stacy. Right. But I don't know. The whole thing threw me off. Yeah. Vincent in the in the chat is saying that cosplayers made Gwenpool famous as originally Gwenpool was an alternate cover or something uh, or to something. So, you know. Uh, and Danny is telling me that Ghost Spider is a dumb name, so Danny is now off the podcast. Right, we we have officially banned Danny. Um, Brian did pull that that trigger. <laughs> uh, no, I mean uh, art wise, this book is definitely not my favorite. Um, I I think that it's it's an art style that tries to walk a line between being very like manga inspired. Um, but it, it feels like they didn't want to commit too much to a, a manga style. Like they were afraid of scaring off the, the Western audience or something. Sure. So what it comes across as is something that is kind of like trying to be manga ish while also trying to maintain that very standard, like this is what superhero comics look like, Hmm. like genre of, of Western comics art. Uh, and I don't think it really delivers on either. Um, so that okay. was that was kind of disappointing. Um, it, it gave me very much. If, if you've seen like the how to draw manga books, <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and and that sounds meaner than I mean it to be, but that's just that's the best visual comparison that I can think of. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, definitely not not a slam on Nishijima as a as an artist at all. Just... Right, but it, but it is kind of tough, right? Because you can't go like full, <laughs> you can't go full manga. <laughs> You know, like on a Western book like this, because I feel like you're you will alienate, like you said, an audience that probably isn't used to reading books that have that kind of 
just overall feel. Plus, you know, unfortunately, there are still people out there who are, this is manga, I'm not going to read it, you know, like, and I don't understand where that comes from. I was one of those people, I should say, I should know where that comes from. Um, but then, like, you have to just accept uh, that you're wrong and try something. Yeah, it comes from being a shitty teenage boy. Yes. Actually. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's probably it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that I just skimmed through some of the preview on that one, too. And I, I see what you mean. There's like a, a very much a, a strong blend between like like Western Eastern like art art style. Yeah, I, guess. I, I, I just wish they had committed more to it, I guess. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, what about you, Mike? Uh, well, I have been good uh, prepping for the IRCB movie club. So I've been reading a bunch of Spider-Man, Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen comics, uh, which has been really cool. And I went out to Michael's yesterday, uh, which is a cool thing to do. And I bought a bunch of frames for all this art that I've been sitting on. Um, I've got some 12 by 12 posters from the 70 millimeter uh, podcast that uh, I've been sitting on for a long time, as well as uh, some original art from people that I created. I got something in the mail very recently from uh, from an artist, uh, Will McPhail, who did the book in that Kate recommended as part of the best of 2022. It's on Patreon. Sorry for another Patreon plug, but um, probably one of my favorite books that I've read in a very long time. Like I got the hardcover. I also bought a piece of original art from him. Um, not not a piece of I think it was like a limited run or something, but it it's penciled. It's, it's I don't know. I, it looks like it's pencil on paper, so I don't know. Um, but it was uh, very affordable and I got a frame for it and I just need to hang it up in my office. So hopefully for those of you who are seeing my video, which is just Brian and Kate right now and Nick, um, you will eventually see art up on this wall to my left. And when we do another live episode, folks live will also see that art. It's going to be really cool. Um, but otherwise, uh, I did read some other comics that weren't just Spider-Man stuff. Um, I was very hyped for this last week, and I read Where Monsters Lie number one. This is by Kyle Starks, um, Peter Kowalski with colors by Vladimir Popov. Um, and I don't know how to describe this book because I love Kyle Starks. I love the way he tells stories. I just read Rock Candy Mountain. I did read the first two volumes of that last week, um, as I talked about as I was on the top of my pile. Um, really loved it. And so I was super excited to jump into Where Monsters Lie. And I was expecting a lot of funny and this book is more dark than it is funny, but I think that's also kind of the joke. Um, if you don't know, the story of this series is there's an imaginary closed off secret neighborhood where movie style murderers like Hannibal Lecter, Pennywise, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy, like all of your the, the big like villains from these movies, they all live in this neighborhood. And the reason why is so that they can coordinate their murders and say like, Hey, we're going to have a cleanup team come out to this house after you murder, you know, six teenagers or something like that. Uh, which is kind of wild. It's, it's a ridiculous oh God, concept. Roommates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so they all live in this little like cul-de-sac of houses. Um, and, you know, this isn't a spoiler, but, uh, you know, the first couple of pages, uh, some kids are getting murdered by this guy and a couple of them escape. Right. So so there's a a big uh oh, now this this secret group has now been potentially exposed. And so we we get to meet all of the players and all the people who live in the neighborhood and see their interactions with each other, see who runs the group. And uh, it's a it's a pretty fun issue. Like it's super weird and it's funny, but not laugh out loud funny. And like, don't get me wrong, like this book is good and the bit is like 100 percent there. But it's real. it really rides the line between like dark and dark funny. And you kind of are as you read it, you're like, is this supposed to be a joke or is this just really dark? It, it almost feels like 
Starks is playing with this idea of like you can push something so far that it becomes funny because of how insane and ridiculous it is. And of course, the core conceit of this book being like a bunch of, you know, uh, horror movie monster people live in this closed neighborhood and they have to deal with like an HOA and they all have agreed on this weird contract so that they can secretly get away with all their, you know, killings uh, is kind of goofy. Uh, but it's it's mostly just dark with like dabs of funny ever so often. I will say, uh, oh, Danny in the chat is saying that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy is Leatherface. OK, sorry about that. I He doesn't need a name. He's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy. It doesn't matter. <sighs> Anyways, it's it's a wild concept. Um, I think Peter Kowalski's art or Kowalski's art is really good, but it doesn't have that that blend of comedy that I think you expect from a kyle stark's book right like if you look at rock candy mountain or you look at old head which both drawn by kyle starks or if you look at uh chris schweitzer's art on um six sidekicks of trigger keaton you know these all have like a very cartoony goofy style outer limits is another one or outer darkness is another one they have this almost cartoony style that adds a little bit of playfulness to the jokes um and unfortunately kowalski's art doesn't have that which adds almost more to this is this too dark or is this dark and funny at the same time um but ultimately i think this story pays off like the first issue is it ends very funny um in a way that i didn't expect it to and uh you know, maybe I, I'm trying to judge Kyle Starks a bit too much by his previous like funny book work. Um, but belly laugh or not, I feel like this book is is fun if you're into the idea of a bunch of, you know, serial killers living together and having to deal with each other. You know, the commonalities of being in a closed off neighborhood. Um, it's it's a, it's a fun little concept. I think it's going to be a good book. And I honestly just want more Kowalski art. And I'm I'm interested to see how dark and weird the, this creative team takes this book like are they just going to show all the crazy murder stuff or is it just going to be the ridiculous antics with hints at what these people are potentially capable of because there is a literal mass of weirdos that live in this place and that you have to just if you open just to the first page and you see like the preview of everybody it's of course there's a murder clown of course there's a Hannibal Lecter character of course there's a, a guy who just has a skull mask and that's his thing of course there's a guy named uh, Mega Fucker who has a bear that rides on the back of his head like why not because this book is is absurd so you know if you are uh if you're looking for something that's kind of dark and weird where monsters lie number one is is pretty solid the other book that i did read is Stillwater volume two this is written by chip sadarsky with art by roman k perez uh, colors by mike spicer and you know it's it's been a while since i read the first volume of this series um, and I remember the gist of it, you know, like the, the synopsis from number one is nobody dies in the town of Stillwater. That's just not a promise. It's a threat, uh, which is an interesting idea there. All the people that live within the border of this town simply do not age. Time ultimately stops for them in terms of the aging process, which is problematic when there are children that live in this in this city. Um, and the, this, the first volume kind of explores that the second volume uh, it definitely explores that further and i don't want to spoil anything because i feel like the first volume had a good had a good like twist at the end um the second volume also has that but it felt unfortunately like this volume was trying to just slash through story beats as fast as possible um without just skipping yeah. them um kate did you did you read this book no i just know what you mean with that i similarly uh read a um read some stuff that felt like that where they're just like I outlined the story and then I decided why flesh it out when you can just have the outline beats like. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 kind of strange, right? Because I feel like that's 
that's me like doing a, a terrible like like a really rough criticism of this story but it felt like maybe this is one of those rare cases where a collected edition of a book actually reads better month to month um because i think if i was getting these fast-paced issues month to month i don't think i would be as upset however this story yeah this story is weird because like i feel like zadarsky and perez want to get to something and it's the end of this arc and i feel like they could have gotten to the end of this arc without even doing this arc if that makes any sense because unfortunately there is a in the middle of the story there are two evils and they decide to take the lesser of two evils and in this within like an issue that second evil rears its head and you go uh-oh turns out they were evil <laughs> um and I, I this is me trying to be as vague as possible to not spoil it i mean as soon as you get into the book you'll know exactly what i'm talking about but um it really kind of bums me out how fast this book moves because you didn't have any time to really sit with anything um and that could be me just reading through this book too quickly or it could be that an issue just literally was breakneck speed trying to get to the end um or issue each issue is so i don't know i don't want to say that it's bad um because i feel like i was satisfied by the end of the arc it just kind of felt like there was a lot of fluff to get to the end of six issues um when if you if the point that they were trying to make with the twist of the end of the arc could have been done at honestly any moment um so i don't know the stakes were weird maybe it'll pay off in the next arc um but again i'm not i'm not against this book um i feel like the twist was worth the build-up um the only thing that i really have to say is it just felt like i didn't understand the point of this arc which is a really weird thing to say um i almost wonder if it would have worked better in single issues Mm-hmm. yeah that, that's if the pacing would have felt more natural i know and it's like should i have waited like a week between reading each chapter in the volume that would have been interesting to just read this piecemeal but uh the last thing i'll say is uh perez's artwork in this volume felt like there were pages where things were more rushed i don't like there was one page in particular that i noticed this where it was just like a very important page and there was so little detail that i was just kind of lost as to who was who because there are like multiple goatee wearing men in this book and when you can't tell the older guy versus the the more older guy uh it it it's like you're kind of lost between who's the good guy who's the bad guy who's the less bad guy who's the good guy i don't know just a little a little annoying thing who knows um if anybody has read this book and completely disagrees send me an email ircbpodcast at gmail.com i will definitely not read it so uh <laughs> let's every uh, episode is mike trying to pick a fight with somebody i dare i dare you i just dare you um i don't know i i Stillwater is interesting because the the twist at the end of this arc felt like an old Invincible or Walking Dead arc twist, which is a weird thing to say because we have Saga now. But Walking Dead and I feel like Invincible, and again, this is just a Kirkman thing. I don't know. He he does these twists that you're kind of just like, I hated reading 143 pages of this volume. And I got to a page 144, and now I can't wait for the next volume. Because that's that's almost the style of twist that was was. Now, I didn't hate this volume. I actually really liked some of the development um, and the things that Chip Zdarsky asked were way darker than I thought this series was ever going to go. I was lukewarm until the very, very end. Um, so I don't know. Can you put like a two star, but with an asterisk that says the last page was a five star? I don't know. Um, I I summed that out to, to be or I math that out to be about three stars. So um, anyways, I'm going to stop rambling with thoughts that are clearly incomplete and let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile uh comics that are new or old or comics that we are just plain excited to read next let's jump right into things with you brian 
Sure. Uh, before I get into it, just want to offer a quick trigger warning. Um, there's going to be some brief discussion of mass shootings. So if you want to skip ahead, there are chapter markers in our show notes, um, as well as if in your favorite podcast app, you can just skip ahead if you want. So the top of my file is Numb to This, Memoir of a Mass Shooting. Uh, this is written and drawn by Kendra Neely with letters by DC Hopkins and color assist from Juan Murillo. This this is definitely, it, it's weird to pick a book like this because I'm not excited to read this book. Like I'm not <laughs> yeah. eager to, to read someone's first person accounting of surviving a mass shooting. But I do think that it's a really important perspective to get. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's important for these people to get their voices heard. And I am definitely interested to see what Neely has to say. Uh, Neely's a survivor of the, um, sorry if I mispronounce this, the Umpqua Community College mass shooting in 2015. Hmm. Um, and if you don't remember which one that is, that's because there's so many of them. <sighs> Unfortunately, and yeah. It's 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 super dark. Like it's it, this kind of reminds me of when we read uh, Kent State. Was oh, the yeah. Kent State one? Mm-hmm. Um. We're like this is is probably not going to be a fun read, right? But uh, I I think it's fascinating. Like this is a way to to get into the mind of someone who's been through something like that and understand, you know, what that felt like and and how that changed the the way they view the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely not like a a fun relaxing read. I'm definitely gonna have to read that like in in the sunlight with a palate cleanser on hand. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to what I will learn from this book much more than I am to the actual process of reading it, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally follow that. It's 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 really tough to to look at books like this and be like, I'm excited to you know dig into this, like you said, because it's on the one hand, it's like we we never want to experience these types of things. Right. But at the same time, it is crucial for us to experience the empathy for those who have you know because this is a part of life in in america unfortunately so like the best we can do is try to understand our fellow person right and and read and understand or hear their stories and read their stories so um yeah i'm putting this on my to read list i didn't know that this was a book so thanks for bringing it to my attention brian yeah i got i got this as part of a secret santa exchange um i kind of forgot that it was on my list for that exchange gotcha i i requested um just like like funny snacks and stuff like that so i got you know like like cheesecake flavored gummy candy (laughs) and uh like a a chocolate bar with popcorn in it and one that was flavored with potato chips and bacon uh and that i found at the bottom of the box this memoir of a mass shooting (laughs) (laughs) So, it was a total shift, to say so the least. Is, someone was saying to you, like, read this, and then here is what you can eat to comfort yourself afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that was their intent, because uh, what I did was eat all the snacks within the first, like, 48 hours. <laughs> uh, and this book has just been sitting on my desk, daring me to pick it up gotcha. since then. Oh, man. Um, well, let us know what you think. Um, I'm going to try to check this out, too, if I can, but... Uh, yeah, I, th- I appreciate you bringing this up. Uh, Kate, what about you? Uh, what's on the top of your pile? 
Uh, well, Brian's pick has been on my list since I listened to the author talk about it on NPR. But nice. I honestly wanted something more cheerful. So I uh, picked up from the library COVID Chronicles, a comics anthology. Oh, my uh, God, you guys. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> um, so this came out in 2021 and it was the Washington Post's best graphic novel of the year. And okay. um, it's edited by Kendra Bolieu and Rich Johnson. And it has like 60 plus comic shorts um, all about 2020 and what was going on for people during that time. And there are people, uh, writers and artists in here I've never heard of. And there's Eisner winners and there's everybody in between kind of thing. So I think um, like any anthology, I expect it to be a pretty big mix. But mm -hmm. all of the stories are, you know, pretty short. So that works out well, unlike when I get really frustrated when um, like normal like Marvel comics will have like a whole issue that's a different artist that I don't like or something. And you're like, I don't want 30 pages of this. But in this case, this will work out. Um, yeah. So it's a nice, nice hand feel graphic novel, glossy paper. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to read it, but I definitely am going to like piecemeal it out and not just read it like cover to cover. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, not to say that, like, a, something like this is inevitable, but like, you know, I again, this is one of those things. It's it's probably for the better for people to find ways to express like the mass, th their feelings of like the overall mass trauma of what was the 2020 to 2000. 22 you know i mean i feel like despite you know everything folks are are maybe understanding and dealing with it better now but like yeah it was pretty pretty dark there for a while um uh this, i mean it's still very dark mike lots yeah, of people yeah, are still yeah, dying yeah. every day yeah, but the uh I know. the uh this book specifically came out in 21 so i do think all of these were actually written and drawn in 2020 like 2020 pre-vaccine when oh. it was like the very worst kind of thing okay. everything was shut down yeah um, so it is definitely a different phase of the pandemic than we're in now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I don't know how to follow any of that, uh, but I'm going to try to talk about now for something <laughs> completely different. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me talk about what's, uh, so we have some folks hanging out with us on discord as always. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, they sent over their picks for this week. Jeff is reading alienation by Ines Estrada from Fantagraphics as part of the, our Goodreads Book of the Month theme, which is a writer or, per, or artist who is a person of color. Uh, Paul G is reading Ben Passmore's Your Black Friend and Other Strangers, also part of the Goodreads Challenge. Uh, Hannah's reading Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons. Danny's reading Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number one, which is going to be my pick. But I wanted to pick something that wasn't an X-Men book this week. Uh, Kev is reading Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham from the 1985 to 1987 run. Which is very exciting because I'm also <laughs> going to be reading this very soon as part of our prep for uh, the 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 Patreon app. But um, I'm glad that Kev is diving in. Uh, we were exchanging emails and Kev sent over a couple of links and I said, finally, we're going to have a Spider-Ham expert. So I'm expecting Kev to bring all of the trivia uh, to our episode. Uh, Nick is reading there All Against... There will be a test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick's going to be reading All Against All number three. And Vincent is reading Arrow Before the Storm volume one by Julie Fenn and Greg Pak, art by Kang. Um, so for me this week, I am going to be reading Love Everlasting Volume 1. This is by Tom King, uh, written by Tom King, art by Elsa Chartier, uh, colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by Clayton Coles, designed by Emma Price and editor Maria Isaac. Uh, it's time, is what I said in my notes. But I do want to call out one thing really quick. Image Comics 
can you fix the fucking credits on your website? Like, please, I don't. The thing that bothers me the most about pretty much every publisher's website, with rare exception, like Fanagraphics is good about this, but they're too, typically publishing like one or two creator books in general. Mm-hmm. But a lot of publishers just don't put the right credits on their site. They don't put some credits at all. Like colorists are rarely credited. Letterers are rarely credited um, on websites. Uh, DC does it okay. Uh, Marvel does it sometimes just when they feel like it. They're just like, you know, just just because we're going to have this random Moon Knight book that like probably less people are reading than this Spider-Man book. We're only going to put like the writer and the first letter of the artist's name for some reason. Um, it's it's very Gotta frustrating. Keep you guessing. Yeah. Uh, it, the thing that, that kills me is that you can look at a cover of these books and it'll have four names across the top. Right. This one in particular had King, Chartier, Hollingsworth, Coles. Right. But of course, on Image's website, who's credited? Tom King and Elsa Chartier. That's it. But sometimes they put the colorist, but sometimes they put the letterer. Um, I don't understand who's working on this, but I'm just screaming and yelling about this. I know I know that this is all manually done work, right? Like someone has to be there punching in the letters and numbers. I get it. Um, But if you care about things why aren't you investing time in this stuff Uh, i don't understand it so anyways uh if you don't know what this series is i believe it was originally published on tom king's uh substack so if you're a subscriber there you've probably already seen this book you've maybe already read it the synopsis is joan peterson discovers that she is trapped in an endless terrifying cycle of quote romance a problem solved a man to marry and every time she falls in love she's torn from her world and thrust into another teary saga um, you know, it's Elsa, it's Tom, it's Matt, it's Clayton. These are names that, you know, you know, Elsa's a friend of the show. We've got Mr. Miracle Man slash Mr. Vision. We've got the vibrancy of the Wicked and Divine. We've got a letterer who's about as prolific as Hassan Otsmani Elhow. Like this is a murderer's row of creators. So like that right there should sell you on this book. But in case you weren't sold, this is a romance comic with a twist. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's a perfectly crafted what did I put in my notes here? It's a perfectly crafted mystery, like an everlasting episode of the Twilight Zone, says Francesco Francavilla. I thought that was interesting. Um, but you know, I, I think that there's um there's something interesting to be said about like Substack comics getting printed, um, things like Panel Syndicate, things like Webtoons getting printed. Uh, I kind of want to like ball that up and put that for another episode. Um, so I won't really talk about that, but I think uh, I read two issues of this because we fortunately got a comp thank you image comics we appreciate you um and it's really fun uh it's really cheesy romance stuff each issue feels like something that you would imagine could only have been published in like the 50s where it's like oh no i'm in love with this boy what am i to do and then they fall in love and then of course there's like this weird time travel thing that's happening like the whole world is exploding um and we've all been there yeah you know classic romance stuff um but yeah it's it's pretty cool i elsa's work is very very much giving me like a lot of Darwin Cook vibes specifically in this volume more so than in other times that I've read. Um, So if you're into that, I think you'll dig this. But Elsa's art by itself is fantastic. Uh, I think uh, Matt Hollingsworth has done a great job of coloring things to look very much of the times that the stories are supposed to be taking place in. We've got a story in the 50s. We've got a story in the 70s. I think the stories keep going on and on um, to different eras. But uh, yeah, it's a really fun, cheesy book. Like, Tom King and Elsa Chartier, like they do, they take no qualms with like leaning into these very simple, basic stories of just like woman loves man. Oh, no, woman can't be with man. Suddenly now she can be with man. And whether that just stays very heteronormative, I'm not sure. But uh, it's very 
funny in like how hard they lean into these like very cheesy one-off story vibes um, that have a slight thread that connect them uh, between each other. So if you want to read more Tom King, that isn't just a Batman book. I promise you he's capable of writing things that are not Batman and also they're not from DC and also very good. This is pretty fun. I Like I said, two issues in, I really liking it. It's pretty easy to read. It's a little wordy at times, but ultimately it's very fun. So highly recommend it. Uh, Love Everlasting Volume 1 from what I've seen so far. I'm going to finish it. That's why it's on the top of my pile, I guess. Yeah, so I guess let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about Legos. I guess Lego. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my money pit. Join me. <laughs> uh, we will be right back in just a second. Hey, folks, I want to tell you about a new comic podcast I've been turned on to called The Comics That We Love. It's a show hosted by Zach McCrary, a lifelong comics fan who has always felt that comics were more than just capes and cowls. He believes that comics can touch every emotion and it can help us understand the world around us. Each week, Zach and a guest sit down to discuss a story that cemented their love of sequential art, learn about the people who created it, and then break down what it is that made that story great. Whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, horror, manga, or superheroes, you'll leave every episode with a much deeper understanding of the book that they discussed. Sometimes he's joined by creators to talk about what it's like to bring their characters to life. Recent episodes include The Incredible Hulk, Future Imperfect, Captain America Winter Soldier, Brian K. Vaughn's Saga, Chainsaw Man, and Akira. I'll say, listening to a few episodes of this show has astounded me with the depth at which Zack dives into these comics, and it's been a real treat to listen to. The Comics We Love is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else you can download and stream podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at at the comics that we love for more. For our show this week, we are talking about Lego. I guess more specifically comic book Lego, but Kate brought something to my attention recently, and I feel already financially devastated by it, and it doesn't even exist yet, and it may not exist, and yet my wallet somehow feels lighter. Um, So Kate, could you tell us a little bit about your personal passion when it comes to Lego and uh, why you've brought these things to our attention today? Well, I'm glad to be here on the I Play Legos podcast to tell you about my crippling addiction I have gotten really into the adult, like creator Lego sets and idea sets that are like specifically designed for adults so that they have like thousands and thousands of pieces and motors and cool things. So adult Legos, but not like adult Legos. Right, right, <laughs> right. But they do say, and this is endlessly funny to me, 18 plus on the front, oh. <laughs> which is hilarious. You got to be able to vote to build those Legos. <laughs> Which is extra funny when it's like a Harry Potter set. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Oh, no. Um, not going to go there. Keep going, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, as I've fallen farther and farther down this rabbit hole um, that is Lego, I have stumbled across on Reddit the Lego Leak subreddit. Uh, that uh-huh. is Lego Leak, not Leaks with an S. That subreddit is dead. What you want is Lego Leak. And so these are comics related or adjacent sets that are rumored for 2024. Apparently Lego, as they're coming out with sets, will do surveys with um, volunteers where they show them or describe a set of like how many pieces it is, what it is of, um, what minifigures it comes with, and then ask them basically what they'd pay for it. 
which is hilarious to me because Legos are crazy expensive. So it's got to be like, okay, we just take that and double it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, there are some super cool ones that then someone who did that survey uh, basically released what they were asked about. Ooh. And the one I was most jazzed about that Mike and I have been talking about is this expansion. In the survey, it had a little over 3,000 pieces and is a two-story building, including the front gate. Um, and it's like it's like a big set, like 10 inches by 21 inches by 6 inches, like a, a hefty build. And it, so it's not confirmed officially yet. And yeah. it's just part of that survey. And sometimes a lot of those come to pass, like more than half when things like this have come out before. But there are definitely things that were in surveys like this in the past that never showed up. Sure, sure. But oh my gosh, do I want this to happen? Because so far, I have not gotten any comics Legos. They recently have all been based on recent Marvel movies for pretty obvious reasons. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So like the recent Thor movie and Black Panther. And they're fun, but like for any license set like Star Wars or Marvel or Harry Potter, there's like a somewhat bit of an upcharge for licensed properties, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you can pretty usually get more for less if you are going for the, some of these other sets. And so that's what I've been doing um, instead. And yeah, so this this is this would be if this comes to pass, this would be my first like actual Marvel set that I'd be right. throwing money at. I was tempted by the Star Lord helmet that I don't know if it's actually out yet. That that is confirmed, but I don't know. It's cool, but not like eighty dollars cool. Like all these, I don't know if you guys have seen the Star Wars helmet Legos. Yeah, um, yeah. the yeah. whole series of them. But if you see them ever like in store, they're like maybe a third of the size that I thought they were. Looking at them online. Which do you really want, do you want them to my... be the size of someone's actual head? Yes, or do you... yes, okay. Mike. Okay. Yes. No, I'm just for the I, amount of money. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Th that's what I'm asking because, like, obviously, you're not going to put a Lego helmet on your head, are you? I mean, you could. Have you watched Lego Masters? <laughs> I, that show's incredible. I'm you sorry. Watch it. Let's take a step back. Could you... we're we're very far from comics. I do have a thing about this X Mansion thing that I thought was going to be snarky, but now I need to know what Lego Masters is, please. Um, Lego Masters is basically B Great British Bake Off, but Lego, where the, oh, everybody's in teams of two, and they have to, they get a challenge, like you have to build a bridge, and it has to withstand X amount of weight, and whoever holds up the most weight wins, or so they kind of alternate weeks between um, engineering challenges versus artistic challenges, so you have okay. to make a sculpture with Lego, it is very fun. Um, the judges are actual Lego designers from Lego. Um, okay. I, th I imagine they went around Lego headquarters in Denmark and were just looked for like, what What are our prettiest two designers? Because it's got to be a building full of nerds. And these two people look like they're right out of Hollywood. Um, sure. <laughs> but anyway, they judge them. And so the the there's someone eliminated every week, essentially. Right, right, right. right. And so it's a competition thing like that, but it's like the time crunch and the, you know, okay, bakers bake, except it's okay, builders build, you know, right, it's, right, right. it's a lot of fun. Okay. So I, I guess, huh. Okay. This is different than what I thought it was. I thought that Lego masters was like a documentary series or something. Mm -mm. Didn't realize that it was a competition show. Nick in the chat is telling me that it's hosted by Will Arnett, which is great. Uh, I guess like, I mean, he was Lego Batman, so that's cool. Um, this sounds absurd and I kind of feel like I need to watch it now. This sounds like very comforting, like 
television to just put on to turn your brain Very. off and go look they're building it on lego uh, Very. I, I like that i love the thing with competition shows like this where you can be like snarky about oh my god that's like a terrible design you really think that's gonna hold up whereas like you know they're doing something you could never in a thousand years do but you get to be snarky about it right mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i don't know you get your teams you start rooting for but the nerding is intense my favorite part about those kind of reality shows is they make me say shit that I have no business saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I'll be sitting there watching somebody try to make a sword. I'm just like, if that's how you forge your canister Damascus, you were going to have D-lamps out your ass. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I barely know. You know, I, I think that Great British Bake Off is what gave me a lot of unearned confidence when it came to cooking um, very recently. And, uh, you know, it's because I see things like, oh, I'm going to have a soggy bottom. You know that she's going to have a soggy bottom with that. Like, it's it's very fun. Um, OK, so Lego Masters. You just wanted to say soggy bottom. I did. I just wanted a reason to say, uh, listen, I'm not repeating some of the jokes that are in the chat right now that were far beyond things that are normally said on this type of show. So. So anyways, back to the Legos that you posted in here. So we've got a very interesting X mansion, which I think is great, except for and then this is where I get to say my snarky bit. And I push up my glasses a little bit and say, um, actually, the X mansion doesn't exist anymore. They all live on Krakoa. So if they were going to be accurate, they would have us build like a quiet council or something. Um, but an X mansion would be cool uh, because I see that the listed figures in this picture that you've posted is nine figures at least professor x magneto wolverine storm cyclops beast mystique Sabretooth, and emma frost where's my boy nightcrawler that's all i'm saying where's my boy cyclops you know i would swap Sabretooth for any other character literally so even juggernaut you yeah. know um but that's it's interesting it's an interesting set i'll say that but 3100 pieces um i don't even know what that equates out to in terms of like size and build shape but um, that's pretty cool it equates out to a several hundred dollar set okay well i mean let's say that you know your boy started saving up today you yeah, know just a yeah. dollar a day maybe i'd get there in two years but uh the uh the lego batmobile i assume the one that you have is yeah. 1360 okay that's a pretty big boy too right like yeah. that's a big big lego thing danny so, and so I, triple that yeah so, Dan, well, I mean, but that's the thing. There's verticality to a, to an X mansion, right? Like, I, I know the Harry Potter castle is a pretty big set as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can get that. I don't know how many pieces that is, but yeah, I don't know. I either way, this sounds really cool. I like this idea. Um, I'm surprised that there isn't a Jean Grey in this set, though. Me too. That was one of the things that struck me with the minifigures. The I. So my thinking in, in terms of why we're getting expansion versus Krakoa is that well, all of their Marvel why. sets have been based on movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they are going for the common denominator here. It's because yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. gives a shit about Krakoa. Yeah, that that also. Uh- Man, oh my god. <laughs> Well, um, the thing, okay, well, it, it makes sense, right? They're based on the movies, but Danny in the chat makes a good point that if the basketball court does not open up to reveal a, a, a Quinjet, then there was no point in the set. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Well, in the, the 3,000 pieces, the other part of that is that that means this is going to be an 18 plus set for sure. Like that this is going to be a detailed build made for adult nerds with spare money. They're yeah. like just keeping these millennials hooked. They got us as kids and they just keep milking us. Uh, which you know what good for them it brings me joy <laughs> yeah 
I just looked it up. The, the Harry Potter castle. That's the only thing I can compare it to, um, just because I know it's a big set. Six thousand pieces for that. That's a pretty big set. That one's um, huge. It's like, also almost five hundred dollars. And quite honestly, yeah. I'd rather buy a new computer, like a new Mac Mini, than get a Harry Potter castle. But that's just Speak me. Speak for yourself, Mike. Jeez. <laughs> I'd rather slam my hand at a car door than buy a Harry Potter set. But yeah, that's right, just right. that's just me. Did you guys see the Batman animated series one for the Atham City too? Another 3,000 plus piece set. It's Gotham City Skyline. So That's... this is again rumors. Again rumors, just Dude. to be clear. But yeah. in the Art Deco style of the show with the skyline over a background of like a red sky with black clouds and like a moon police blimp bat sign in the bat wing. And yeah. it's supposed to include Joker land with a Ferris wheel. Oh, um, Gotham word brick built. And like the, um, they also mentioned in the description for the survey that people are taking um, that there's like panels that can be opened up. And um, the figures listed are Batman, Joker, Harley Quinn, Mr. Freeze in Phantasm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That one sounds cool. That suit seems like it it has potential to be a really cool display set as in oh, like yeah. a pretty pretty bookshelf piece, you know? I mean, you are literally Luigi's Mansion style vacuuming money out of Danny's pockets right now with, by saying <laughs> this. Um I, uh, this is so cool. I I I'm not a I'll be completely honest. I'm going to speak my truth here on the show. Never really watched Batman the animated series outside of the occasional clips, and you know maybe I caught an episode or two. I have seen Mask of the Phantasm, fantastic movie. Um, that said, the style of that series is amazing, and I 100% could see like owning something like this too, just because like like you said, it would be a really cool mm -hmm. display piece. Like if you had a high up shelf or something that you wanted to you know put this on, I think that would look really cool. Which kind of brings me to my question, um, unless you had more you wanted to go into for these other sets, Kate. Um, but I did have a question about like displaying this kind of stuff. Like, how do you guys go about, you know, building and then putting these things somewhere where you can look at them? Um, for any of these big sets, there's a secondary market of people who make basically like plexiglass boxes uh -huh. so that they don't they're easier <laughs> to dust and shit. But you can also get um, these dusters on Amazon. They're not made for Lego, but they work really well for it that are basically like really long paintbrushes. So that the, I don't know what you call them, the tassels of this um, duster kind of gets all in the crooks and crannies of the Legos. Because mm. if you let the dust build up enough that you can't just dust it off, they are a massive pain in the ass to wash. Right. You have to like acid wash your Lego. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not great. So right now I have all my sets on like a ledge that's built into my basement uh, wall. Nice. But that's not very wide. And I have a set to build as my next build that is wider than that. That So I'll have to figure out something else. So we'll <laughs> this is, see. This is where you become this is extremely. This bookshelves come into play, I think. Right. Or you become extremely crafty into like building extenders onto these ledges or something like. Yeah. Kate, you're going to learn about like weight physics and wood types and stuff just so that you can display your Lego, right? The the other pieces, I'm starting to get a problem of like Lego storage uh, where sure, I've sure. like invested in some mm, like craft storage boxes that have lots of little sorters things because uh, I want to start making like custom builds. I've been inspired by the show, you know, Ooh. and then you can build. Well, first of all, you can build stuff without spending more money. Um, but, <laughs> but then also, you have to take apart your other creations, right? You do. It's true. Yeah, um, that's OK. 
It is. And well, and there's also Rubricable, which lets you like pay people for their PDF of their design for their custom creation. You plug in which sets you have, and it tells you whose Rubricable designs you could build with the pieces you have from your sets. Dude. Which is super handy. Ah, uh, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Holy yeah. shit. And they're usually really cheap, like five bucks or something. I I, I mean, <laughs> I... I... <laughs> I'm not surprised that there is a market of like, like a sub market beyond the Lego company, you know, like, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure that Lego doesn't care as long as you continue to buy Legos from them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of Lego is secondary market just because all sets retire in a certain amount of time. I mean, the average is like 14 to 16 months, and then you can only get it on the secondary market. Sometimes things are around longer or shorter, but by and large, it's that, you know, little over a year window. A lot of people I see online on like the forums have like Ikea shelves up on their wall, uh-huh. floating wall shelves right, that right. then you can put sets up on, which I might go that route. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that there is like it's it's funny to see like the dedication to folks that like showing off their Lego and stuff, because like I I can only think of it from like a very like rudimentary setup of just like I have to buy bookshelf for this. I have to put thing on bookshelf. That is only place that things can live Um, when I know that there is more that you could do. Like you can create these like these almost like shelfless shelves and stuff Mm -hmm. that are like these floating shelves that kind of exist. And yeah, I love to see the way that people get creative because like right now I've just got like a big Calyx bookshelf that's like all my comics. um, Mm -hmm. I I hear academia picture or figures um, and some occasion i have a handful of textbooks for some reason that i probably just need to like burn uh but yeah it's it's interesting um to see like the way that people get creative i ha- i live in an old house i live in a hundred year old house and we have lath and plaster um walls which means that putting holes in those walls is a yeah. thing that i don't dare to try but i wish that i hope that one day i could fin- figure out a way to just put shelves like on some of the walls that are in my place to do that kind of stuff but i've seen a lot of people with the calyx bookshelves for lego yeah. display too and then yeah. they put like the led light strips at the top to kind of like light each little box it looks super cool mm. yeah that's that's that- simply more effort than i'm willing to put in <laughs> <laughs> mine well, just that's- sit on top of whatever surface is available <laughs> See, Brian's telling, you know, speaking the real truth here. I think that's and that's probably how a lot of people display their sets um, yeah. and, and their other comic book memorabilia since we're going to try to wrangle this back to comic books in some capacity. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's really interesting because I, I Paul in the in the chat is saying, you know, uh, fishing line from the ceiling, which I think is a really interesting th- idea. They actually like the Star Wars ships have built in handles designed for people to hang them like that. Those of you at home cannot see my jaw literally dropping to the the desk that I'm sitting at. That is the coolest thing I've horrifying. ever heard. Uh, very, very. Yeah, <laughs> I look like uh, I don't even know. I look like one of the aliens from Legion. Anyone remember that movie? Anyways. Um, yeah, that's cool. I built in. OK, so what I'm hearing is that they're going they need to build an X-Men Quinjet. And I need to be able to hang it from the ceiling. That's yes. what I'm hearing, right? Yes. Okay. So to be clear, it's the model. So they, for Star Wars in particular, they tend to come out with two versions of like the Hallmark ships, like the Millennium Falcon. They'll have like the ones designed for kids. It's way cheaper, way less detailed and much sturdier build. So you can swoop it around and play with it. The- and then they'll come out <laughs> with like a much more detailed um much bigger and more expensive build that is meant to be like basically building a model and is designed for 
older teens and adults. And those are the ones that have handles because they are way too fragile to play with. Um, right, right. And it's they're explicitly to, to display. Interesting. And those have those have the things that people hang them with fishing line. This is not a habit I need to get into at all. And yet I find this all to be extremely fascinating. Um, but because I've seen this and I, I walked through Target one time mm-hmm. um, and I saw the Batman mobile, uh, the Batmobile from the latest Batman. And I saw there were two versions and I was like, Kelly, if you get me one, give me the big one. And I was like a little kid. I was holding her mm-hmm. hand. I was like, mm-hmm. I want that one. I not want the this big one. one. <laughs> I want the big one, not the little one. I had I was like literally fully extending my yeah. hand and everything. Um, but I now understand the value of the smaller one, because if I had the smaller one, I could play with the smaller one. Exactly. Um, which is fun. Uh, Jan- Danny says you can buy both <laughs> and practice on you a little can. one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the I, I did actually go to Target earlier today and get Legos. There's a sale going okay. right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean earlier today? You earlier left to- the house before one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I had to rush out. There's 20% off a bunch of sets right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love this for you, Kate. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. This is how I got so in, in, deep down the rabbit hole. It's sure, like sure. when I'm working on the computer that I have like uh, problems with the nerves that control my eyes, right? The autonomic okay. nerves. And when I'm on the computer all day, I really, really can't be on screens in the evenings or even just like read it. My eyes just won't focus. It's too blurry. So I needed to get into something that was screen free mm. and... I had been gifted some Lego sets that I had like years ago that I hadn't put together. And so I tried that after first trying like art stuff, but it was just not going well with the hand arthritis to like sure. draw and stuff like that. And plus, I'm really bad at it, <laughs> like comically, <laughs> comically bad at it to the point that I get frustrated. Um, and then I was like, oh, shit, this is amazing. And it's one of those things that's like you put on an audiobook or a podcast and you just kind of get into the zone. It's very zen in its own little way um i've i've really enjoyed it no that's awesome i i that's i like i love that that's there for you because like i feel like lego especially if people of like our age has been around since forever right and it's been a thing that for a lot of us probably consistent in some capacity in our lives whether you're too old and someone gives you a Lego set to be like, I don't know what to get you. Here you go. Or then you're old enough. And you go, I'm buying these Legos for me. <laughs> or, you know, you're you're little and you, and you get them just as gifts. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that you're able to, like, get back to that. I don't know if you've just been a consistent Lego head your whole life. No, I, that's what they call no. themselves, right? Lego heads? I, I don't think so. But okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, they like no, brick heads. I, had, I think it's brick heads. I had... Um legos as a kid but i wasn't like super into it i I put basically the building was like the necessary part to get to the fun part which was playing with them like dolls ah okay like the vehicles and the houses and the little i played with them as like doll sets basically Mm -hmm. um so i had some stuff but not a lot but for our listener millennial listeners out there if you have lego sitting at your parents house look up that set like I looked up my um, castle set that I had as a kid, and it is worth four hundred dollars now on eBay because some people are crazy about collecting the old stuff. Holy smokes! Um, so guess who's going to be selling that to get more Legos? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you got any bionicles kicking around back there? Set them my way, dude. That's <laughs> I was going to say. I know that I have bionicles at my mom's house, and I know that there's a resurgence right now of people who yeah. want bionicles. Um, but Brian, if I find any, uh, actually, you, you live closer to my mom than I do. So if you drive to her house and <laughs> find any bionicles, they're yours, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do I have to tell her I'm coming or can no, I? No, just... no, no. Just show up. I'm sure she'd love that. Uh, 
<laughs> there's a large mom. There's a large man in your basement. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you do want to get into this and have more limited means, because uh, I certainly I'm a grad student. I don't make a ton of money. There are lots of strategies to make this hobby more affordable. And if you check out the main um, Lego subreddit on on Reddit, obviously, there's all sorts of things that you can do to get into like sale tracking, but also like the cash back apps often are really good ways to pair with the sales to then get like a really good chunk offsets. And um, the VIP program lets you get with Lego lets you get like essentially cash back to spend on other Lego sets in the future and stuff like that. Um, but there's there's ways to make it and then like rebrick, well, like building other things with the bricks you already have. There's ways mm-hmm, to make it mm-hmm. more affordable. Um, there's also like swap sites for people who have sets that they built and they displayed and now they're bored with them and they want some other set. And then it's like looking for this and here's what I have and stuff like that. So I've gotten some like used stuff off eBay that's not like collectible. It's just used. So it's cheaper. No, that's cool. Not that I haven't thrown like more money than I should at this, but it's been fun. <clears throat> well, I I appreciate and also am very mad that you brought this X-Men set to my attention. And now I'm probably going to fall a little bit into this. Danny and I at one point were talking about building our Batman Batmobiles together on a live stream or something. Um, oh so I gosh, feel like this should. is a more. Yeah, this is more a race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah this is that'd be fun uh, but yeah this is almost like a more of a kick in the pants for me to actually do that because i got this very nice batman or batmobile set for my birthday um and i've kind of just been sitting on it because i i really want to build it but i know that if i build it i want to build it in one go and as much as i do have a little bit more room in my house um i can't just leave this on a table all day i don't yeah. have like an extra table so um that could be really yeah, fun you got cats too you gotta and i got cats uh, and i don't know what they would do with lego i don't think they've in my almost 10 years of having them. I don't know if they've ever experienced Lego. So something to keep in mind, Mike, is that modern Legos come in multiple bags and they're numbered. So unlike when we were kids, so you could do like a bag, put that together. And then like, that's a thing people commonly do to kind of space out their build to like make it last longer because of how expensive these freaking things are. So you could do like a bag per night and one bag for like an adult set like that would probably take you less than an hour. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, what you're saying is that we can make multiple pieces of content off of this one box. God, uh, no, that's a good idea. I I did not know that they did that. I genuinely have not bought a set for Legos that was larger than like probably a single bag since I mm-hmm. was ever. I don't think I've ever had it. Maybe maybe once. But my nephew really into Legos for a minute. Um, so I was helping him build stuff when I would see him um in Michigan for a minute. But uh. Yeah, this is this is all very exciting. I guess, Brian, uh, what's your experience with Lego? I guess we'll talk about that. Maybe we can wrap up here um, lest we talk about Lego all day, because I probably have a million and one more questions that I'm going to make Kate answer if we sit on here all day. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a Lego kid growing up. I was went for the Star Wars sets. So I had the uh, the episode one, the the submarine thing that oh. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Jar Jar hop in. Beautiful. Most of the time, though, I was just kind of building my own shit. Sure, um, sure. Mostly spaceships because that's the kind of kid I was mm-hmm. slash am. I remember I got really into like Lego. You're talking about uh, the the master builders thing. Mm-hmm. I, I got obsessed with making durable like Lego creations. So oh. my whole goal was like building things out of Legos that I could throw down the stairs without them breaking. <laughs> 
That's such Dude, a that's boy so thing. Sick. That's so cool. <laughs> Shut up, Kate. That's awesome. <laughs> so okay, so what was your what was your master creation then? Did you ever come up with something that could stably fall down your stairs without being like burst into a million pieces? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I had a it was basically like a like a an escape pod almost. Okay. That was so overbuilt that it it could survive almost anything. <laughs> and I'm assuming you would put like minifigs in it and stuff and you yeah. know send them on their various Oh, travels. you gotta have a pilot. Yes. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but Kate, you're you're very much right. That is very much like a young like boy thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Young um, boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just off camera is a pile of Legos of Brian's last few tries. <laughs> um, I was definitely well, like 14 or something. Sure, sure. Um, well, cool. I guess, you know, my experience with Legos is like, I've got maybe if it wasn't clear, you know, I had Bionicles when I was growing up. I had like all the, I didn't have any licensed stuff, but I did have uh, like little aliens. There was like some space aliens figures that had like a lot of those like neon green flames that I thought looked really cool. And for some reason, my parents bought me a black light when i was like in elementary school and so we would just have it on and it's like all the neon colored stuff would look really cool under the black light so we would we had it mounted on the wall in our living room in the basement it's totally weird and then we put all of the alien sets underneath the black light and then at night we would turn that black light on and all the neon color stuff would would light up which was cool um and yeah, when I was younger, we had just like random sets that I think were from like the 80s that my mom just got at a garage sale. Um, not sets, but just like a box full of Legos. And I had a table that was like made out of plastic, but the top of the table was a big Lego base. So we would build like entire cities. My brother and I used to big, build huge random brick towers like that would go almost you know as tall as we could get as little kids. And we'd stand up on chairs and get yelled at for building too tall. And then of course, inevitably we would get in a fight and one of us would go, I don't like this. And then just push it over. Mike and Doug accidentally recreating the Tower of Babel with Legos. <laughs> right. This is why my brother and I can't speak to each other anymore. Uh, because he speaks French now, but uh, no, that you know. So, uh, but this this is this is really cool. I like I, I like the idea of being choosy about Legos and maybe getting like one particular set that I can just be like into, like the Batmobile or three thousand one hundred and twenty two piece X Mansion that my wife doesn't have to know about. She doesn't listen to the show, so she's never going to hear about this. <laughs> I'm going to um, text her right now. Brian. Uh, but yeah, no, that's okay. I appreciate you bringing this to our attention. Um, I guess to wrap things up here, uh, any any last thoughts you guys have about, I guess, comic related Lego or just Lego in general? Um, some of the leaks uh, that weren't like explicitly comics, but are like pretty close mm -hmm. uh, have to do with uh, Legend of Zelda like a oh. the Zelda tree set, which is supposed to have the Breath of the Wild and um oh I forget the older Zelda game, but like two versions of it basically, two builds. Okay. And then like Indiana Jones, which a lot of those have been confirmed now and like have official like pictures and stuff, and a bunch of new Star Wars sets, which look cool. I'm mm -hmm. really hoping for the Star Wars one they come out with the rumored um Ewok Village. <laughs> they made one years ago, but now because it's been retired so long and is so popular, it's like seven hundred some dollars to get because it's you know supply and demand. Sure. Um, since it's been retired for so long, I would love to have that. That uh, I want it. I you want, want it so bad. A hundred little Ewoks that you can just mysteriously place all around your house. <laughs> um, yeah. 
that's cool well yeah no the uh it, breath of the wild that see here's the here's the trick now kelly loves zelda stuff so if i say oh if you could get this breath of the wild i'll get the x-men one and then we can build side by side and um that would be a reason to justify spending double the amount of money i'm sure uh <laughs> it's, it's, it's called parallel play right okay. that's, yeah that's what we'll call it yeah <laughs> Um, cool. Well, uh, I think that wraps us up uh, for today. Unless you had any final thoughts, Brian, I'll, I'll talk to my mom about Bionicles. Don't worry. Yeah. No. Uh, apologies to anybody who came here looking for comics stuff. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just trying to feed a new habit that you could all get into. We're just having um, fun. It's next week's show related next week's show i promise will be very super comics related um because we're specifically talking about romance comics which is part of the reason why i wanted to read love everlasting um the topic that i wrote down was what is love baby don't hurt me it's valentine's day comics that'll break your heart we're gonna have a special guest on that episode zach mccrary uh from the comics that we love podcast and uh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm i'm very excited you may have heard plugs for me talking about uh, zach's podcast but he's a cool guy um it's gonna be a lot of fun his podcast is really fun so i'm excited to talk about that with him uh, as always you can find us on instagram twitter tiktok discord you can check out the goodreads reading challenge at goodreads.com just search for i read comic books or check out the link in the show notes you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash podcast to get access to a ton of backlog stuff including the best of 2022 episode that came out this past week as well as the ircb movie club that we're going to be dropping with kev from the austin danger pod Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander has found the true meaning of life and will share it with you if you tell him a secret. I want to say thank you to Kate and Brian for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone hanging out with us live in the Discord. Thank you to the listener, you, if you got this far in the episode. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics.